good afternoon. Uh, my name is Jean-Noël Billot. I'm a scientist at uh, Kaizen Bioinformatics. And I'm going to describe you today um, what we came up um, in the last uh, years, um, what we call a RNA-Seq Explorer solution, which should help um, the biologists to go through big data and interpret the data as quickly and as uh, easy possible. So I have to add that I'm not a bioinformatician, I'm a biologist like you, so I, I try to do things like we used to do using these great tools. So the work I'm talking about today is the transcriptome analysis of Kupfer cells after uptake of pancreatic cancer exosome, and it will reveal some pathways and biological processes involved in metastatic progressions. This is not my work. This is the work of great group that have collaborated at UPenn, Memorial Sloan Kettering, and Cornwell. And they have published two brilliant studies in nature and nature cell biology. I'm going to talk about that. The fact that they have deposited the data set at NCBI, I could get that data and try to use our technology to see if we can explore further with all humility possible. This is the legal disclaimer about Kaizen. Uh, it's really done for research. And start with the conclusion. Uh, the conclusion is using that Erenasic uh, Explore solution in a very in silico way, um, we were able to identify two immune proteins that uh, could be a potential therapeutic target for metastatic con uh, pancreatic cancer. Again, that needs to be validated, that needs to be tested. But we were able to determine some signaling cascade and how they were involved. In particular, I'm going to show the L6 signaling. We were able to highlight some transcriptional program and how this program either are turned on or turned off. And, and, and I will show two transcription factors that I think are important. We are going to look at the biological processes that have been induced after the uptake of this pancreatic tumor exosome by the, uh, by the liver cells. And we are going to use a couple of uh, features very uh, well defined. We are also going to identify splicing variants. We are in the world of RNA-6 sequencing. So we can go deep in the expression of any splicing variant that we can also discover novel. But today we are going to identify a couple of variants of interest uh, for the integrin beta-1 and the PKM2 that may be useful. And finally, I'm going to propose uh, two hypotheses that we can, we can test, two components of the immune system, IL-6 receptor and IL-11 receptor alpha as potential target. Outline of presentations, I'm going to talk about the pancreatic. I have to say I'm not a pancreatic cancer expert, so I read a lot and I try to bring some background of it. I'm going to show you what is the sample to insight. The sample to insight motto is in all our slides, and this is really a key, a, a key experience that we want to propose to scientists, and I will explain what it is. I'm going to present you the arena Caspar solution, the way we analyze the data with the biomedical genomic workbench, which is a software, the way we interpret the data using IPA, and I will explain all of that and bring some conclusions. So, first of all, um, the pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma, PDAC, is the fourth leading cause of uh, cancer-related death in the US. It's a dramatic disease, it's very terrible. 90% of the cancer causes are highly lethal. And if you combine stage, uh, all, all the stage combined, one and five years relative survival are very, very low, 27 and 7% respectively. There's a huge number of people that are diagnosed each year in the US and even more worldwide. 
but there's a huge number of people that die every year about uh, due to that disease. And it will be over 300,000 people that die every year due to the pancreatic uh, ductal uh, adenocarcinoma. We know that the incidence is rising. We don't know why, uh, but it's predicted to be doubled by 2030. The diagnosis is very difficult because, in fact, there's no symptom at early stage, so you can't detect anything. This is why we need good technology to try to come up with new biomarkers, for instance. The treatment, apparently the only curative treatment is the complete surgical resection. But even in that case, fewer than uh, 20% of the patients are candidate for that. So it's terrible. And the number that scares me is that 80% of the patients who undergo underwent surgery, eventually relapse and die from the disease. So we need to do something about it. The risk factors are numerous. Age, smoking, diabetes, alcoholism, obesity, and that's scary knowing the obesity is increasing worldwide, and many other genetic predispositions. But the beauty of the sample to insight is when Kaizen has bought uh, in the last three years a very important company in bioinformatics. One of them is CLC Bio, which is based in ours, and they come up with a fantastic product called a biomedical genomic workbench that do process this gigantic data, this fast Q data that I'm going to show. And Kaizen also bought in 2013 Ingenuity System, formerly in, in, in Redwood City. And we have a set of um, tools that help you interpret the biology. So this is that combination that makes the sample to insight a very efficient uh, solution, a very efficient experience. So that's taken from a review recently, and this is basically the role of uh, functional functional role of exosome in cancer. And there is at two levels, the local environment and the systemic environment. The paper I'm going to describe, they look at that particular aspect. So what is, uh, what's going on when the tumor excretes this exosome? There's a signal that tells to form what they call a pre-metastatic niche. So in other words, it's a system that modulates the environment for making the tumor cells ready to colonize a distal organ. They can do all sorts of other things, like immunosuppress. They participate in that. And these combinations make metastasis easy. They participate in angiogenesis. They participate in fibrosis. They participate in many other things, including cell proliferation and chemo resistance. So this is the two papers I'm talking about uh, from which I should acknowledge greatly. This paper has been published in Nature Cell Biology in 2015. And the title says it all. Pancreatic cancer exosome initiate pre-metastatic niche formation in the liver. So this group with beautiful studies have discovered that when the pancreatic tumor cells excrete exosome, uh, they are triggering in the Kupfer cells that uptake this exosome TGF-beta secretions. And the TGF-beta secretions induce in the hepatic stellate cells the formation and the secretion of fibronectin. That fibronectin will help the bone marrow derived cells to migrate to the liver to prepare the liver to accept more tumor cells. So it's, a, it's absolutely a beautiful paper, and I recommend that you read it. So the data I've taken is from this one, which is the same group. They went further, and they realized that depending on the content of exosome, especially integrin, you can determine which organ is going to be metastasized. In our case, if you have integrin beta 5 in the exosome, you have great chance or great risk to be uh, um, 
to colonize the liver because these will be selectively uptaken by the Kupfer cells. If you have integrin a beta-4 and beta-1, you are going to colonize the lung. So I think they are key milestones in the understanding how metastasis work. Depending on the integrin content, you are going to colonize X or Y organs. So this is their study. So I went to the NCBI site. It's under the SRP058375, and I went there, and I get that data, and they basically FASTQ file. In fact, they are SRF files that I convert in FASTQ, and this is where we come into play uh, using our RNA-seq explorer solution. So they are basically Kupfer cells, and they treat them with uh, pancreatic tumor exosome. The name is BXPC3, which is the normal uh, pancreatic tumor exosome, and they have the same in which they have knocked down the beta-5 the antigen beta-5, and they treat, or they treat with PBS. So this is all this combination that I could get. They have the cells they treat uh, every other day with exosome, and then the other 14 days, they extract the total RNA. So this is an important point today because we are looking at the total RNA. We are not looking specifically at the content of RNA in this exosome, from which we can study the transcriptome as well. But here it's really the mixture of the liver cells that, that have accepted the content from this pancreatic tumor exosome. So this is the total RNA. So they have prepared the RNA library, they have sequenced using the uh, 2500 iSeq, and they have a different approach. So this group have used IPA, and probably not uh, to the extent we wish, and I think this is why I would love to show you more what they can do. But uh, they basically have uh, used the protocol uh, to uh, select the reads and to look at the differentially expressed using HR package. So this is their way. And this is our way. And the, the idea comes from the fact that when you are a biologist, you, in the world of big data, you are um, overloaded. And you don't know by which way you have to start. And especially if you have a fast school file. What do you do with a fast school file when you don't know what it is? Well, so we came up with that solution that allows you to import these fast school files that you have received from Illumina or any others. Import them in a tool called, in a software called Biomedical Genomic Workbench. And that will process the data. And by processing the data, we are able to extract the differentially expressed gene or isoforms. And we will send that to IPA. So this is what I'm going to show today. But the total RNA-seq explore solution includes also the fact that from these RNA-seq, we can call the variants. We can filter them in our ingenuity variant analysis software. And we can gather the two uh, data the expression data as well as the loss or gain functions of the variant into that IPS. So it gives you a better view of what is mutated and what is expressed. Couple of words on this biomedical genomic workbench. So we can do a lot of things. We can do whole genome sequencing, we can do whole exome sequencing. We don't do the sequencing, we can get the file uh, from this whole exome sequencing, whole exome uh, sequencing. World transcriptome sequencing chip seq data. We have uh, created these workflows that are very easy to use. It's basically one click away. You see it's a stepwise, and if you proceed that way, you will get everything you need, and it's streamlined information. Once it's processed, you can send that to IPA or ingenuity variant analysis. If you want to create your own workflow, you can also. So this is what happened. I went to that website. I had a SRF file, I converted to FASTQ, it's very, it's a terminal command, it's very easy. Then you can create your own metadata from the website. You trim the sequence to remove the adapters. 
And you do that RNA-seq analysis. It's basically a push-button. And you can map either to Ensemble or RevSeq. We have selected Ensemble in that particular case. And basically, you have an expression track. You can do at the GE, which is the gene level, or T, which is the transcript level. So we have that choice. Then after, from the tracks to the stats, we can look at the differential expression, and we can come up with very nice stats, like the heat map, the PCA plot, the Venn diagram. And basically using that workflow. So the data has been imported. I have created this gene and a TE level, and I follow that protocol. And it's a stepwise, and it will lead you in a very easy way. And you can come up with a differential expression stat that you can push in IPA, or you can have a heat map, a PCA plot, or a Venn diagram. All of that are very easy to visualize. So this is the differential expression analysis. This is the metadata. You tie your FASTQ to some kind of metadata. You don't have to type. You, don't, you are not going to be lost of what, what was the sample, what was the treatment. It's all contained in metadata. This is the typical metadata. This one I have exported directly from the NCBI site. And you have the treatment, you have the sample name, you have everything you go. And that carries over through the whole biomedical genomic workbench. Then we have a plugin. When that is done, the data is sent automatically to IPA. You can upload and you can analyze and you set your cutoff there. The p-value, fortune, you name it. And this is what's happened. This is what I got. You can look at the diagram, at the gene or the uh, transcript level, and you can look what are the common genes differentially expressed or isoform differentially expressed between the two conditions. You can have a nice volcano plot. You know, it's a, a log of all change in function of the p-value. So the higher level and the most right or left corner are the most differentially expressed and highly significant. We have created a heat map. So you can, it's on 25 uh, isoform. I just selected 25. You can have 200 if you want. And it, depending on the condition, you can see what are the ones that are the most viable between the conditions. You can have a PCA plot also where you see the outliners. So here they are the, the Kupfer cells with the PBS. Here this is the Kupfer cell with the normal comparative uh, tumor exosome and the Kupfer cell with the uh, exosome in which the beta integrin 5 has been knocked down. So they are very separated, very nicely. And now you have that differential express analysis. And if you map to ensemble, you are going to realize that number is huge. It's 173,000 rows. It's basically 173,000 transcripts so far in the ensemble model. So it's a very big file. But we have a couple of very important information. The name of uh, the, the particular isoform, the position of the chromosome, and a couple of uh, important features that we will carry into IPA. P-value, FDR, four chains, log chain, you name it. And the max group mean. Because we are in RNA sequencing, now we can really set up the cutoff to see what is significant, what's not. For the purpose of the talk today, I choose an FPKM superior at five, just to highlight many features. IPA. You can look at a gene view, a chem view, a disease view. And we have all sorts of information. This is just a little part of a, of a screenshot. But everything which is in blue, by the way, is clickable and give you to another page. But we know everything about Caspase 8 in that case. We know it's an enzyme. We know which uh, uh, microRNA targets that particular enzyme, which pathway it belongs to, what it regulates, how is it regulated, and many other findings. And basically, you have a series that covers probably 5,000 findings for that particular molecule. Each of these findings refer and uh, uh, send you to the PubMed ID, and you can get the paper. 
We can look at human and mass isoform view. Again, we are in array sequencing, so it, it's become cutting edge to look at all these splicing variants. And if we do have information, we show you that we have findings correspond that. If you click on that, you will have pertinent information that are specific for that particular findings, for that particular isoforms, I mean. We, have, we are known for the pathway analysis, and people um, sometimes are stick to that just idea of looking at a signaling cascade top to bottom. We have much more than that, as you can tell. Here, this is an example where you can overlay the expression of your general set to particular pathways, but you can also use a tool called, a feature called Molecule Activity Predictor, which is basically like a simulator, a plain simulator. Based on the expression of genes upstream or downstream, you can look what's the effect downstream or upstream of genes that are uh, belonging to that particular pathway. So it's very powerful. We can look at the upstream analysis. What interests biologists in general is the fact that when you have 23,000 genes that are up and down in your data set, one of the key things is looking at who is the driver, who is the main conductor of that. And that's what we do here. So based on the pattern of genes that are known to be downstream of a particular regulator, interferon, MAP, K1, you name it. And based on the relative expression, the bioinformation came up with a solution to calculate the Z-score. And that Z-score here, which is in blue or orange here, tells you if that particular upstream regulator is turned on, is activated, or is uh, uh, inhibited. That's what we use, the upstream lens. It's very powerful because you look at the transcriptional program, whatever the transcriptional regulator is. It could be cytokine, a growth factor, transcription factor, you name it. We can look as well, based on the pattern of expression of a gene or data set, and the fact that they are gathering and, and associated to a particular process, based on that, we can tell you if a particular process like cellular movement is up or down based on the Z-score. It's another powerful um, predictive system. We can tie the two together. We can look at the upstream regulator. So in other words, your transcriptional conductor, your, the transcriptional program. You can tie that to disease here with the layer of your gene data set. The only non-predicted data here is these genes. And here they are all in red, which means upregulating in your sample. So this is a very nice way of, of looking at uh, um, an effect of transcriptional induction to a process. We can use microRNA target filter. We are not going to talk about that today, but what it is is we can look at any type of target of this microRNA using that target filter. So we can associate this microRNA with this mRNA and go much further than that based on prediction, based on many other things. We are not going to talk about that today. Bioprofiler. So bioprofiler, it, it looks like it's an encyclopedia, if you wish. Um, if you take breast cancer keyword, you may have 6,400 molecules, including genes, protein, chemical, drugs, you name it. I doubt that any expert in breast cancer can tell me which uh, molecule, um, this, this, the whole set of these uh, 6,400 molecules. But what we can tell you, by a click, we're able to show you that in an in a Excel spreadsheet way with filtering system, which molecule, what is the effect of that molecule on the particular disease. So I can look at any molecule that have an increased activity and increased breast cancer, for instance. This is the bioprofiler. And we can do that at the isoform levels. Now we can tie these uh, specific isoform-specific information to a data set and look which isoform, which specific isoform is done or upregulated in your own data set when it's tied to a particular disease. And I'm going to show that. Interaction network, you connect all these molecules with no particular directions, and you can overlay a lot of things, biomarker, application reagent, and you name it. And here it's uh, simply uh, 
an expression that are green, down-regulated, up, up-regulated in your sample. And you can also import your own findings. That's for IPL. So it's a powerful tool, and I understand it's there's a lot to uh, swallow today. But So this is a typical IPA core analysis. So remember the data. They have these cup first cells. They have uptaken the uh, pancreatic tumor exosome. This is the normal way. And I compare that with the same cup first cell versus PBS. And I use some cutoff for change of 1.5, p-value 0.5, and that RPKM that makes me think that what I'm seeing is real. It's not a, a fake signal. And this is all at the transcriptional level, at the transcript level. And, and it's organized in many tabs. IPA is organized in summary, canonical pathways, upstream analysis, disease and function, regulatory effects, and so on. All these tabs are independent, and yet they can be completely connected because you follow a process. So here the, we show you the top canonical pathway based on overlap. We can show you the top upstream regulator, and you can screen down. There is many more information, and you go through all these uh, very important information. Let's go to the let's go to the biology now. So I was looking at this data and uh, trying to understand what are the canonical pathways and can we detect their pathway activity analysis? Can we tell if any particular pathway is turned on and turned off when these cells uptake the pancreatic tumor um, exosome? So here you can tell you have a set of colors. You have the gray and orange and the blue. So gray are, so first of all, everything is based on overlap. So you can tell that a lot of these hepatic fibrosis and diapedesis pathways are heavily involved when these cells uptake uh, the pancreatic tumor exosome that fits uh, that fits the data. And and you can look also at the fact that now we can determine for some of these pathways their activity based on expression. So when you open a pathways uh, and you overlay the data set, um, under, um, underlying data that you don't see is all these activation and inhibition edges that connect every molecule within the pathway. And based on that pattern, we are able to determine, determine a Z-score. And here, for instance, you can tell IL-6, it's a Z-score positive, which tells me that pathway is probably turned on. So let's look at that, and many others. As you can tell here, I summarize and I said the inflammatory response seems to be heavily involved, and you can tell IL-17, IL-6, and many other pathways. So let's look at IL-6 that I'm following. I'm going to follow all the way. And I'm going to go uh, looking at IL-6. This is the pathway, you know, the JAK2, STAT3 pathways, and so on. You have that with the uh, genes that are secreted when that pathway is turned on. You overlay the data set, that's what we have done. Red, upregulated in the cup first cells that have uptaking the pancreatic tumor uh, exosome. And if it was uh, green, it will be downregulated in that particular things. And I compare uh, to the same cup first cells in, uh, that have uptaken the pancreatic tumor exosome in which the anterine beta-5 has been knocked down. So like that, you can see the effect of uh, the anterine beta-5 really Live. So this is the pathways. What is in gray didn't pass the cutoff. What is in red or green, it's up or down regulated. But we can use that new tool called the overlay tool. And the overlay tool allows you to compare any type of data set and show what are the genes involved and key information about these genes, their full change, their p-value, and their RPKM. So you can see right away when you highlight that pathway what is really important. So I show you IL-33. Uh, we can dig and, and, and know that IL-33 seems to be very important in highly metastatic uh, pancreatic cancer, but we can look at IL-6. And I'm sorry it's a little small, but here you have a lot of information. You have three conditions based on the three data set here, but in the condition that uh, interests us today, 
you can see there is a strong uh, RPKM. So there's a lot of reads that maps to that particular genes. It's highly expressed, 2.54 change, and there's a strong p-value. So IL-6 is probably very, very important. So we can look at that further. If you didn't know what is IL-6 or any type of pathway you click on, we have a report and you have a, a very nice description, and you have all the genes involved in that, and you have all the drugs that target any of the genes, so this is a very pertinent way. So I'm still interested in that EIL-6, and I was questioning, uh, it's good to know IL-6 uh, is turned on, let's see if when I add st uh, statistically significant function, like differentiation of leukocytes, can we add that? What will be the impact on that using that predictor? Remember, we have data that are sure, red and green, they are up and down related, and everything else, blue and orange, is predicted based on the expression of these genes, or these genes. What we came up here is when this first cell uptake, the normal pancreatic tumor exosome, there's an increase of differentiation, a predicted increase of differential of leukocytes. So now, uh, to know what it means behind that term, you have a lot of these edges you can click because you have relationship between that function and particular gene, and it will refer you to PubD, to uh, uh, PubMed, and you can get the paper. But in that particular case, it can simply mean, in the case of pancreatic cancer, there is a, an increase of Treg, and we know Treg are uh, these immunosuppressive uh, cells that uh, is, are heavily involved in pancreatic metastasis. Now I'm interested in looking at the conductor per se. So I ask the question, Show me any cytokines and growth factor that can be the leader, can be the conductor, what we call upstream regulators. And show me what are the genes that are associated to all these regulators. And tell me what is the prediction of activity. Are they increased? Are they decreased? Is the program driven by these guys are up and down? And we do that, and I look at L6. And you can tell there's a lot of important uh, uh, factor here. Um, Elizabeth Jaffe yesterday mentioned the L17. You can tell L17 is there. IL-8 is there. So all of these guys seems to be turned on. They are activated when the Kupfer cells uptake the normal pancreatic tumor exosome. And these basically highlight an inflammatory response. So let's look at that particular IL-6. 47 genes with their relative expression told us that IL-6, which is present in the data set, it's overexpressed, the program is activated. So the functional aspect of the IL-6 is turned on. It's very important. So it's small here, but IL-6 in the center. And this is all the genes gathered, the 47 genes that have been in the data set previously. All these 47 genes here. This is their real expression. And many of them are very important. You know, tenacine, fibronectin-1, antegrin-beta-1, and all that. And I ask the question, show me what are the functions that are predicted to come up when IL-6 is, is uh, driven that... Uh, drives that networks. And the question was very simple. I went through and I said, adhesion of tumor cells seems to be increased. Liver tumor, remember we, we talk about Kupfer cells that have uptake in pancreatic tumor cells. And we know by the paper, I didn't come up like a genius, but these, uh, these uh, pancreatic tumor exosome drive the liver metastasis. So it was good to see that effectively, based on the expression of these genes, we can we can see that liver tumor is increased. And we have also uh, an invasion of tumor cell lines. So there's certainly a, a metastatic process going on here just based on that network. Now the question is, let's look about all the 
all these uh, regulators across the condition. I wanted to see what's the influence of integrating beta phi when it's knocked down, right? So I asked the question about all of that, and this is based on the Z-score. So what is activated, predicted to be active, activated or predicted to be inhibited? Blue, inhibited, orange, activated. And you can recognize a lot of these factors that you can you can know by either knowledge of, or, or maybe um, um, experiment that they were involved. Uh, a lot of them, some are curious, like interferon gamma. We know interferon gamma can be both ways. It can be leading an anti-tumor uh, process or a pro-tumor process, actually. Rela is there for the inflammation. But I was looking at that TRIM24, and TRIM24, which is in orange here, here it seems predicted to be activated when the comfort cell uptake the normal uh, pancreatic tumor cells. And it's blue when you knock down integrin beta 5. So here, there are the genes that are associated and known to be downstream of TRIM24. TRIM24 is known and described as a tumor suppressor of the interferon pathways. Uh, but, hold on, it's tied also to immune responses. And what we can see here is the TRIM24, in fact, when it's predicted to be increased, shut down all immune responses. These, again, you need to click on all these findings to find out what are the real meaning behind immune responses. But it tells me uh, that uh, transcription factor probably participate to the immunosuppression that was not necessarily seen in the paper previously. So I think it's, it's a key to look at these comparisons between, between upstream regulators. As I say, when you knock down the integrin beta-5, strangely enough, because they are still a cancer and they will probably uh, still metastasize, but you knock down the integrin beta-5, now the program is uh, shut down. It seems to be inhibited, and immune response goes back up. So it's like there's a tumor, but it will now probably uh, go to the liver. It has to be investigated. All of that needs to be investigated, but this is true. This is the real expression of data, and this is a prediction. Now... I found out another very interesting, in that comparison, transcription factor called MEOX2. And that guy, um, I found out, uh, is um, involved in the regulation of the expression of integrin beta-5. And in the case of the normal pancreatic uh, tumor uptake by the liver cells, this program is turned down. And the program, when the beta integrin beta-5 is knocked down, is turned up. And this is the network. So MOX2, when you take the normal uh, tumor pancreatic exosome, is inhibited. And it drives angiogenesis, metastasis of the cells, and the recruitment of myeloid cells up. So here again, you have, a, you have a transcription factor. You have a set of genes that are heavily important. F3 is there, I6, ICAM, CSL3. All of these have been described as very important. And when they are upregulated, they drive that program probably down and drive these functions up. Angiogenesis is important, metastasis here again. So just looking at an in vitro uh, culture of Kupfer cells having these uh, normal pancreatic tumors, as we, we, can, we can define that. We can compare the disease. I was looking at the disease and functions based on the pattern of expression of DIN. We can come up that inflammatory response, fibrosis, movement of myeloid cells, metastasis is all up when you have the normal pancreatic uh, tumor exosome. When integrin beta phase is down, this program seems to be shut down, maybe a little bit less for invasion here. And we can look at that here. This is 
looking at all these genes that are pertinent to that particular fibrosis. So fibrosis has been seen, it's very strong here, and we know fibrosis is heavily involved in that metastasis. When you do that, you realize that the fibrosis is increased effectively just based on the pattern. So even if I didn't know anything about pancreatic uh, cancer, which I didn't at, at the beginning, I can come up with that based on the pattern of expression of these genes that are known to be downstream of fibrosis. We can look also at isoforms. Uh, Integrin beta-1 is, is, is a hallmark of uh, cancer, as we all know. But now, because we have RNA sequencing, we can go dig in the different splicing variants that are expressed or not, right? And this is an isoform view. So you have Integrin beta-5 according to the ensemble model, and you have a series of different splicing variants. Some of them, we know the information. We have real findings in the literature. Some are totally unknown. And that's the beauty of what we are doing, because, in fact, we are telling you right now, based on the cutoff, based on our analysis, this particular form of integrin uh, beta-1, the OSET-7, which is a single exon cutting protein, which is strange, it's appropriate and significant when the Kupfer cells are uptaken by the tumor, uh, the normal pancreatic tumor exosome. When it's not done, the other um, isoform is the 12 here. So looking at the isoform pattern is very key now because obviously these guys may have different functions than previously the normal or the long one or the first one discovered here, right? Looking at isoform view, very important. So we can tie that integrin beta-1 isoform tied to fibrosis with the previous... Um, Using the ISO profiler, as I'm doing here, I ask a simple question. Through all my comparison of all these tumor uh, uh, pancreatic exosome with or without integrin beta-5, I ask the question, show me which one are differentially expressed and in what way when they are tied to liver carcinoma. My goal is to find isoforms that are tied to HCC because this pancreatic tumor exosome leads to the liver metastasis. And this is what comes up. So I'm going to highlight one of them. Here you can really see the expression of the different isoforms of PKM, pyruvate kinase muscle, that are upregulated here for that, uh, that specific form, the O4. This one is upregulated when the tumor um, pancreatic tumor, normal, the normal pancreatic tumor exosome is up. When integrin beta-5 is down, that particular isoform is downregulated here. So maybe it's another clue to investigate. So science is very strange because what we call PO4, uh, in the literature they call that PKM2, uh, isoform 2. But this is, this is the, the typical uh, um, isoforms of um, pyruvate kinase and all their relative expression across the condition, and you can see that. And you can tell. A lot of them are pseudogenes, so you may probably discount them. A lot of them are different splicing You may look at that. When we have findings, we can, we can search here, right? So this form is upregulated according to our analysis. And that form is called a PKM2, which refers to the PKM004 uh, in the ensemble mapping. And that form, that particular isoform has been actually associated with an increase of HCC. So... Uh, PKM2 has been described yesterday in the Greg Thompson in the plenary session as, uh, as a key protein. Now, I'm going to bring pure hypothesis. So all of that needs to be validated, needs to be tested in the lab. So I know that everything I say here is connected to real findings in the literature. So everything I connect, it's true. I can click on the PubMed ID and find a paper that describes these particular relations. But what we ask here when we say causal network 
is show me a master regulator connected to a set of regulators that plausibly explain the expression of huge set of target. Here, you have two, uh, 152 target downstream of that particular set of regulators here, right? Driven by L6R. Based on their pattern of expression, we can predict the L6R driven causal network is predicted to be increased. So that's, that's interesting. The second question I wanted to ask is, and what we can do in the causal network is what we call scoring. In other words, associate a particular network master regulator to a process of interest. Obviously, I say, show me everything that connects IL6R to metastasis. All of that is prediction level, right? So we have IL6R, we think it's predicted to be activity based on the pattern of all these genes here downstream. And that IL6R predicted to be activity predict to increase metastasis. So maybe IL6R is a very important molecule to look at. And by the way, we have asked the question show me all the intermediate that tie that L6R to metastasis. And it fills up with very, very important molecules, VGFM and, and, and MMP3 and, and many others. And some of them are known to be in your data set, some are just predictive. So when you have a type of causal network, it's a brand new hypothesis. What can you do? Well, you look at our database, and you can look many different tools. First of all, I ask the question, show me any biological drug that target L6R in any kind of a disease, any kind of conditions. I don't, I, I don't want to see only cancer. Well, I found that to see lizumab that targets uh, L6R for R and has been approved a long time ago, right? So we know that uh, monoclonal antibody target L6R. And now I ask the question using the molecule activity predictor feature, simulate the addition, which is shown in red, and what will be the effect downstream? So here it's, it's, it's virtual hypothesis, right? We all understand has to be validated. But what it tells me, if you were adding that uh, monoclonal antibody, you will drive down the metastasis to become blue, right? Everything has to be tested. But that's a, So this is the, the end of my talk today for just that de demonstration. Uh, we, we were able to uh, do a lot of things just in silico, just based on the data, uh, looking at signaling cascade, in what way they are involved, using that uh, feature, the first way activity analysis clinical pathway, looking at stream analysis, and we determine TRIM24 and MOX2 may be involved. We look at biological process, we know the angiogenesis, immune responses, we look at fibrosis, looking at that downstream effect analysis with the disease and function feature. We look at splicing variant of interest, and we come up with hypothesis. And that's key. What we want to do is, in fact, exploring the data and bringing new hypotheses. In no way we, we replace the expert eye, right? The scientists that have worked many years on that subject know this art, but we help him to explore further and to bring new hypotheses. That's what we do. I just want to acknowledge uh, the team, because obviously I'm not alone, and it's a very international team now, Kaizen Bioinformatics. There is people in Denmark, there's people in Redwood City. I would like to uh, acknowledge my friend Stuart, which is the maker of IPA. This is the mind behind. Um, the team in Hilden that has helped me uh, bringing some slide and make me understand what is liquid biopsy, led by Michael Kaczynski, and the team in Romania, and uh, I would thank my friend who are here. Thank you.